Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us, whether you're here or online. If you're here in person, say hi to somebody before you go. If you're online, there's a little connect button down there. You can jump on and chat with everyone and just tell each other how much you appreciate that they're here. If you're online at the 9 o'clock service, we do have hosts standing by that would love to pray with you if you have prayer requests. So stand with me, if you would, as we prepare to sing. In Psalms, the psalmist explains why he was singing. Here he says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates, and I give thanks to him with my song. So join us as we sing. Just from sin and sin. 
our faithful God together this morning. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven, you'll do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. Let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is, great is the faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. Yeah, God from age to age, though the earth pass away your word remains the same yeah your history can prove there's nothing you can't do you're faithful and true though the storms may come and the winds may blow i'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to In the middle of the storm, in the middle of my trials, 
Jesus, this song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs, a thousand more. Sing praise the Lord. This song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs, a thousand more. Amen. In the book of Titus, in the New Testament, we read this. It says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's lift our voices together. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every word. Come and speak to us, O Lord. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every word. Cause when you speak, when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, and what we see, when you come in the room, when you do what only 
only you can do. It changes us. It changes what we see. And what we see. You're changing everything. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we're leaning into all you are, everything else can wait. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, come now and breathe upon our hearts, come now and have your way, because when you speak, when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, and what we see, when you come in the room, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, and what we see. You're changing everything. When you our prayer that you would speak that you would move that our hearts would be so wide open that we wouldn't miss a single word because it's you 
It's you who is moving in this place. It is your word that is going forth. It is your spirit that is changing lives. It is your grace and your mercy that is raining down and washing over us, that gives us hope in hopeless situations, that gives us strength when we don't know how to move forward. Your, your spirit is what got us here into this room this morning. Your spirit is what led people to log online today and join us from wherever they are. Your spirit is present with them where they are. You're binding us together, God. We are in awe of you. And it's all about you. And so I lift up each person in this room today, those who are with us online, who, are, who weren't able to come. You know each one of our hearts. You know our circumstances. You know how desperate our hearts are to hear from you, to sense you, to be near to you. And so I pray just for an opening in us, for a letting down of our guard, maybe, to let you in, to let you speak, to let you shape and form our hearts. You're just, you're not wasting our time. You're here. You're actually present at work and moving and speaking. We just pray that we wouldn't miss it. So Holy Spirit, as we prepare to celebrate baptism today, this mysterious work that you do, as we prepare to hear from your word, will you just open our eyes? Will you open our ears to hear your voice? Will you open our hearts? Soften us, God. We need you to soften us today, to receive what you have for us, that we might go from here changed and transformed and filled with hope and light for a world that's desperate for you. God, we love you. Every bit of this is for you and your glory, and we offer it to you in the matchless name of your son, Christ Jesus, our King, who alone is worthy. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us today. Hey, I'm going to ask uh, Bethany if she could stay out here on the stage with me. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that today is Bethany's last day leading worship for us at Springbrook. <laughs> That's what I said three months ago. We're through that. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have four daughters in my house, and two of them are worship leaders. And so uh, it has been encouraging for me having Bethany come onto our staff for me, it was almost an immediate sense of family. And so I have just enjoyed having you uh, part of our staff. You've been a blessing to me. I know you've been a blessing to our staff. You've been a blessing to our congregation. And so Bethany has been with us uh, for almost four years. And so I snagged your picture off of Instagram. So I think that you and Spencer are celebrating eight years, right? So you guys have been married eight years. So you just celebrated uh, your anniversary. And so Bethany has been here for almost four years this year. And I can't begin to uh, just tell you what an impact that she has had on our staff and our ministry. And uh, it's been such an encouragement to me to be able to serve alongside of you. Uh, we have a solid philosophy of ministry. And I was looking through your worship team prayer this morning and just thinking about some of the work that you've done to lay a foundation uh, for our worship team. And we think about what discipleship looks like on our team, what discipleship looks like for our church. And I just wanted to thank you for uh, your faithfulness in serving your heart for God and for the blessing that you have been to our church family. And so I'm going to ask uh, some of our elders, like we Brian, uh, Jim, if you guys could come out. We have, a lot of our elders are 
traveling. I don't know where they went. <laughs> and so I don't know. Do you want to say anything before we uh, turn you loose? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe if one or two of you would want to pray over, that'd be great. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for Bethany. Mm. Thank you for her, her gifts, her talents, and all the things that she's done at Springbrook. Father God, we just ask that you continue to bless her marriage, bless her children, bless her ministry as she goes out from Springbrook. Father God, Springbrook is just blessed to be able to send her out to, to fill, fulfill your commission. Father God, we ask that you be with her, be with her, lift her spirits, uh, encourage her, and continue to grow her gifts as she goes out and continues to serve you. We lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Bethany. <laughs> Bethany and Spencer have been such a blessing to our ministry. We're going to miss Spencer, too. Spencer was on the guitar. So if uh, you're interested in serving on the worship team, we'd love the opportunity to, uh, to talk with you. But if you would, after the service uh, this morning, if you want to uh, just make your way up to let Bethany know how much you've appreciated her, uh, that would be fantastic. Well, today we are celebrating also with a baptism service. And so we are finishing up our Sent series. We've been looking at what it means to live missionally. And so I can't think of a better time for us to be able to celebrate than with a baptism service. And so we're going to be celebrating baptism. And first we want to start with Janet Sommerfeld. And so Janet has been uh, so encouraging uh, just to see the work that God has done in and through your life. We're glad that you're part of our Springbrook family. I know that you came uh, about the time that was COVID was here. Uh, you moved into the area. I think you had told me that you were looking for different churches and finally you made your way here and this one stuck. That's right. And so we are so glad that God uh, brought you here. And so if you want to just put that mic on your chin, tell us a little bit about what your faith journeys looked like. What has your journey been like? Uh, well, I was raised in a, uh, a religious household with two loving parents and six siblings. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always been a part of my life, but uh, when I became an adult and got married and children and all that good stuff, uh, I just felt that I put too much distance between myself and God, finding myself only reaching out when I needed help, when finances were poor or a job search wasn't going well or family members were sick. Uh, always forgetting to thank him for all of the blessings and the miracles and the gifts that he delivered along the way. And um, I feel like I've shortchanged him, and I've had a half-hearted relationship with him. Mm. But coming to Springbrook and Christian worship uh, has really made me appreciate everything uh, that he does for me every day. He wants me in his life in good times and in bad, and I feel the same. Amen. Well, it's been an encouragement just to be able to listen to you share your story. I know in our starting point workshop, we talked about our separation from God, that sin separates us. Jesus is the solution. You know, so many times we do turn to Jesus when things are going good and we forget about him when things are, you know, when they, when they get better. Right. Uh, but God, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that relationship piece of that has been so important. And uh, it's been fun just to get to hear your story. Janet, why do you want to get baptized today? Well, I feel that there's a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare going on right now, and I know that Jesus Christ is my, my protector, my teacher, my savior, and I've come to be baptized today to pro proclaim that Jesus, Lord, is my savior, and uh, I ask for his protection as Amen. so many things are falling apart in the world uh, yeah. to keep me and my family safe. 
I love that. You know, that's kind of, you, I just thought of that when you were sharing that. But, you know, the Bible says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit when we become Christ followers. And so a part of that sealing is not just protecting us from the good and bad things that are happening, but really protecting us from the spiritual warfare aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Knowing that no matter what happens in our life, we have the assurance of heaven. And so baptism yes. is, is an opportunity to publicly confess our faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we're looking forward to what God has uh, for you, Janet. So why don't we get you baptized? Short legs. Yeah, you did great. <laughs> Outstanding. Janet, do you believe that uh, Jesus Christ is God and that he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to make him your Lord and your Savior and to follow him until you, until you go before him? Yes. As long as you shall live. Amen. Well, Janet, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that's little <laughs> on the warm side. <laughs> Outstanding. Good job, Janet. <laughs> Alan Owens. Alan Owens, uh, it's been fun to be able to get to, uh, to know Alan a little bit. You're going to get to hear a little bit about his story. And uh, if you want to come out, we'll let you have an opportunity to share what your faith journeys looked like. I know it was encouraging. Uh, I think the uh, the first time I met you, you were visiting, you were singing in the sanctuary, and uh, I introduced myself, and you said, I'm, I'm Alan. I'm not quite sure why I'm here. <laughs> but I'm, Very true. I'm here for a reason. <laughs> Alan, tell us a little bit about what your faith journeys looked like since you've been at Springbrook. Yeah, since Springbrook, uh, I think from the very first time I walked in here, I felt the Holy Spirit, the presence. Mm. Uh, I'd been to other churches. I sat in several parking lots and never quite went in to some churches <laughs> until I came here. So this was the first church me. you made it from the parking lot yeah. into the building. Well, not the first one, but this one spoke to me. And it's just uh, I had me coming back, and I wanted to continue to learn and to grow. And uh, I'm so thankful for everything that Springbrook has offered and for your guidance and Amen. being my shepherd. Amen. I know that when, uh, when we started our Alpha workshop, that that was something you had expressed an interest in. Alpha is a workshop that is designed to help us understand a little bit more about who God is, uh, what our relationship with looks like. And I know you came through our Alpha workshop. Tell me a little bit about what that was like for you. Yes, that gave me an opportunity to have some questions answered, to learn some things, and to speak with some people that were kind of in the same questioning stage I was, but also some people that you brought in that have had a strong faith commitment for an extended period of time. And some of them, it it was just so powerful that they spoke to me. In fact, I get up Saturday mornings now, and I'm doing a Saturday men's group with one of them, (laughs) uh, with Bill, every Saturday morning now. So it's just been phenomenal. Yeah. Alpha is designed to create a safe space for people to ask questions. We'll be hosting another Alpha workshop as we move through the summer. So if you've got questions about God or relationship with Christ, you might want to watch some more information for that. But it was so exciting for us. We got to the end of that Alpha workshop. There was three people that had finished that workshop, and all three of them made faith commitments. And you were one of those. And so it was really exciting for me. Very powerful. Yeah, it was. It was so exciting to be able to celebrate that moment that you crossed that line of faith, uh, made a decision to put your faith in Christ. And we're looking forward to uh, celebrating uh, your decision this morning uh, to publicly confess your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior. So looking forward to what God has for you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, there you go. Step on the floor. Put your fanny on the block. And turn around. There you go. 
I'll take your glasses. There you go. <laughs> Alan, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? Yes. Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to make him your Lord and Savior and follow him the rest of the days of your life? Yes. Alan, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Great. <laughs> He's up there. Oh, no. <laughs> Block. And then the next step. And then the floor. Good job. Got your towel. I need a hug on that one, but <laughs> I need to borrow your towel for a second. Yeah. <laughs> you good? I'm good now. Thanks, man. <laughs> Well, if you have any questions about baptism, uh, we would love the opportunity to talk with you about that. We are finishing up a series uh, looking at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus where he's commissioned uh, the church to reach our community for Christ, to build passionate followers uh, that are doing the same. And so I hope that you have been blessed as we've gone through this series. I know I have really enjoyed the series. I hope you have um, as well. If you are a first or second time guest with us at Springbrook, we're glad that you're here this morning. You've got a connection card that's in your seat. You can take a moment to fill that out. You can share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. If you're watching online with us this morning, we're glad you're here as well. If you have any questions online about baptism, or you have any questions, our online hosts are available for you uh, to pray with you or answer any questions that you might have. If you're a regular tender, we're glad you're here as well. If you get tired of filling those connection cards out every week, um, you can put that phone number in your cell phone or your device and call that Springbrook. And so uh, if you want to, you can just text the word here uh, to that phone number. Let us know that you're with us this morning so we can celebrate that. If you have any questions, uh, you can interact uh, there as well. Well, I know that supposedly things slow down during the summer <laughs> in church. I don't know. They haven't slowed down for us. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, it has been a, uh, it's been a full year. It's been a full month. It's been a full week. And uh, we are excited to announce today that um, Jeff Fritch has accepted our position as our uh, discipleship and family life pastor. And so uh, many of you might have had the opportunity to hear him uh, teach uh, this past Memorial Day. And so uh, if you had an opportunity to meet him, uh, we hope you have. He's had an opportunity to meet with our elder board, many of our ministry leaders, and uh, we extended uh, a call to him. Uh, he's accepted that. And he's going to be starting uh, July 1st. He and his wife, Sarah, and their family are going to be a welcome addition uh, to our team. And so we're looking forward to uh, having him uh, on our staff. And then we also uh, are excited to announce that Rebecca Suarez has uh, sensed the call to be our full-time children's ministry director. And so Rebecca is moving into that position uh, beginning July 1st. And so Rebecca has been an integral part of our children's ministry for the past several years. She's done a fantastic job working with Michelle and uh, is going to be moving into that full-time position uh, beginning in July uh, the 1st. And so we're excited about that. And then uh, Kyle Holmes has accepted the call to be our worship director. <laughs> and so he's going to be starting at Springbrook, uh, replacing Bethany on July the 11th. Um, he also led uh, worship for us uh, that um, last Memorial Day, I know he has met with our elder board, many members of our worship team, and uh, we'll have several opportunities for him to um, continue to meet with our worship team. We'll have some meet and greets for all of our new staff, and so you want to be sure to uh, watch our Springbrook News and Notes uh, for opportunities to meet and uh, work with our new staff. But we are so excited um, for God's uh, provision in that area. 
we still have now two positions uh, open. And so Mich- uh, we had the Rebecca moving up who has left that um, children's assistant position open. And so if you're interested or know somebody that's interested in serving uh, from a part-time perspective with our children's ministry, um, we have uh, that job posting. And then we also have a job opening as an office assistant. We had to make some changes uh, this past week. And so that position is now open as well. And so if you or anybody you know might be interested in being a part of our awesome Springbrook staff, uh, please be sure to uh, pass that uh, website on. It's on our app as well, and uh, would love the opportunity um, to talk with you. I want you to know that it is important that we are committed to staffing and supporting and equipping our leaders at Springbrook. And so uh, Kyle Smoot is going to continue to be our student ministries director. He's going to be working with Jeff. Uh, and if you parents have, or students, if you have not yet signed up uh, for our student ministry updates, you want to be sure to do that. We're going to be communicating our summer plans as well as news and updates uh, with regard to our student ministries. And so if you have any questions about our staff, about Springbrook, or our commitment um, to be intentional about reaching this community for Christ and building passionate disciples, please, please let us know. We'd love the opportunity um, to talk with you. We are finishing up our series today. We've been looking at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus since Easter. So Jesus died on the cross. The third day he rose, and he didn't go immediately to heaven. He spent 40 days appearing to many disciples and witnesses. And so for the last several weeks, we've been looking at those post-resurrection appearances. And today we're going to be looking at that last appearance. We saw that started with Mary Magdalene at the tomb. We saw him speak to the disciples, uh, to the 11, and then with and without Thomas. We see that Jesus would give us the great commission uh, as he uh, thinks about empowering uh, his disciples for the mission that he has for us. He appears to Peter. He appears to James. He appears to more than 500 witnesses. And so these post-resurrection appearances, we learn a lot about what Jesus would have for us before he would ascend to heaven. Today, we're going to be looking at that last post-resurrection appearance. We're going to start by looking in Luke uh, chapter 24. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn with uh, me to the Luke uh, chapter 24. If you're watching online, there should be a link. Uh, You can open up our online Bible where you can just listen along as I begin reading in Luke chapter 24. We're in verse uh, 36. Jesus is walking with his disciples. They're talking about many things. He stood among them and he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and they were frightened. They thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do your doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet? See, it is me. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved, for joy they were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. See, Jesus came in fulfillment of all that has been written. He opened their minds to understand the scripture, and he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer. He should suffer, and on that third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with the power on high. He led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, 
he parted from them and he was carried up to heaven and they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And so we want to stop there for a moment. As we're reading through Luke, Luke gives us an account of his last appearance, Jesus' last appearance with the disciples. And he says he blesses them and then he would leave them. So we get in the book of Acts, Luke's going to continue that story. He's going to give us a little bit more details about what that ascension looks like. I want to look back at verse 46 through 49 for a moment. Jesus said to them, it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day arise from the dead, that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. You are to stay in the city until you are enclosed with power from on high. And so you are witnesses of what? What are the disciples witnesses of? They have been with him for three years. They've seen him perform miracles. They've heard him teaching. They saw him die. They saw him rise from the grave, and they saw him come back to life. And so the relationship with Jesus Christ was their only priority. That was their first priority. And they are called to be witnesses of the work that they have evidenced about Christ in their life. And so to be a witness is to give an eye-hand testimony. It's an account of something that has personally happened to you that you see and you're sharing that with other people so that they might believe. And so Jesus says at the end of Luke, you're, you're witnesses of these things that have happened. And then he says, I'm sending you the promise of my Father to be upon you. And what was that promise? It was the promise of the Holy Spirit. It was a, the Holy Spirit, the, the promise of Jonah. As you read through Scripture, there's this promise of the Holy Spirit that was to come, that Jesus is saying will come. And so you are witnesses of things that are going to happen. There's a promise of the Holy Spirit that is going to come upon you. But you are to what? You are to stay and wait for this promise. In verses 50 through 51, he, was, he would bless them and then he would ascend. But there's, there's more to that story about the, the blessing and the ascension. And we're going to look at what it means to be waiting. What are they waiting for then and what are they waiting for later after Jesus ascends? And so Luke wrote the book of Luke, and he would also be the author for the book of Acts. And as you move into the book of Acts, he picks up right where he left off with the book of Luke. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me. I want to read for you a few passages from Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, or you can just listen along as I read. In Acts chapter 1, Luke says, in the first book, O Theophilus, speaking of Luke, in the first book that I wrote, I dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles to whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering and many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so the last 40 days, that's, that's what this series has been about. It's been the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and everything that he taught. And that's what we've been looking at. 
And when he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're waiting for a worldly king. They're looking for the restoration of Israel. They're looking for his second coming, which is not going to happen yet. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. And when they had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him up out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as two men appeared to him in white robes, they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you in heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying and waiting. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They were all with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. And so as you move into the book of Acts, we see that Jesus didn't bless them and then ascend. And Luke gives us a little bit more information about what happens before he would ascend. And specifically, I want to look at what Jesus said in, in verses 8 through 11. Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on... Then he was lifted up, a cloud took him out of their sight, and while they were gazing at heaven, he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and he said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking at heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him going into heaven. And so there's two forms of waiting. The disciples are waiting for two things. They're, they're waiting for the promise of the Father that the Holy Spirit would come on them, and then they're waiting for the return of Christ. And so I think many times people look at that, and they, they, they have this picture of the disciples looking up like, wow, don't you guys know where he went? And I think there's a, also a sense of anticipation for him coming back. And so there's two forms of waiting that are happening you know, in this passage. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and they are waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. But then they're also waiting for the return of Jesus. And so there's two forms of waiting. And we typically don't like waiting. They didn't like waiting. They were standing there looking into heaven, probably thinking, oh man, I hope he just comes right back. (laughs) We're not waiters. They weren't waiters. We don't like waiting. In fact, we don't like waiting so much that we will fill our time and our calendars with anything that can be a distraction from our waiting on the return of Christ. I was standing in the uh, line of the grocery store uh, the other day, and I was waiting to check out. I'm standing in the line. I'm kind of looking around. I like to watch people. But it was funny because I looked in one line, and as I looked at the line, every single person was doing this. <laughs> Have you ever done that? And so I thought, wow. You know, they're, they're just waiting and moving up the line. And there's a lot of stuff on here. There's, I don't know, Facebook. I don't know what people look at, Instagram. I took Facebook off my, I, I, it was just a, it was a, it was a distraction. 
And so it's funny because then I got in the car and I, I was driving home and I got to a stoplight. And so I'm sitting at the stoplight. I'm waiting for the light to turn green. I'm, I'm kind of looking at the cars beside me in front of me. You know what every single driver was doing? They're doing this. <laughs> it's against the law, by the way. <laughs> Even if you're stopped, you can't have your cell phone in front of you. <laughs> Many people think, well, I'm not driving, so it's okay. But it's not. You're not supposed to have your cell phone in the car if that car's in gear. You're still driving, even though you're not moving. Every single car had their cell phone in front of them. We are a society that can't just be still. We have to fill every moment with something. And so the disciples are waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They're waiting for the return of Jesus. And so in this waiting, it's important that we stop to think about what are we supposed to be doing while we're waiting for the return of Christ? Now, we know that the, the Holy Spirit has already descended, and so that promise was fulfilled. We see that happen in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they arrived. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and they divided tongues as a fire as it appeared to them, and it rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so they're speaking in languages that were foreign to them, and people are hearing in own dialects, and they're like, aren't these the Galileans? And so, so they're all speaking in foreign languages. The Holy Spirit descends on them in a mighty way, fulfilling the promise of the Father to send His Holy Spirit. And so that promise has all been filled and that's a promise that every single one of us can participate in today if we are believers in Jesus Christ. In Acts 2.38, Peter says to them, when we repent and we are baptized and we place our faith in Christ, every one of us, and we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, it says what? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is present in your life and in my life today, just like it was back then. That promise of the Father has been fulfilled. If you are Christ's Father, you have the Holy Spirit. We're no longer waiting for that promise. The Holy Spirit has been received, that promise. We are now waiting for the promise of the return of Christ. And so now we are waiting <laughs> for Christ to return. Later on in Acts 1, while they were gazing up into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and he said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taking up from you in heaven will what? Will come again in the same way that you saw him going into heaven. And so he went up to heaven through the clouds. He's going to return in a trumpet sound. He's going to come back just like he rose. Jesus rose from the grave, and Jesus is returning. And this is a unique claim of the Christian faith. Everything hinges on that reality. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was resurrected and he ascended. If you take that out, we can all go home. Everything about the Christian faith rests on that promise. And it's shocking to me how few people believe it. There are very few people that believe it. 
And there are people that have heard of it, but they've never placed their faith in it. They're going through life. They have not received the Holy Spirit. They haven't been sealed. They don't have the assurance of heaven. They don't have the promise of new life that God promises us through our relationship with Christ. Very few people. Many of you have it here. And as you look throughout churches across our area, there's many people in churches that have it. Some people have questions. They come in, they're, they're looking for questions. I want you to hear today, if you have questions, Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross for your sins. He ascended into heaven to prove that he is who he claimed to be. And if you place your faith in him, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll be sealed and you have the assurance of eternal life with him. That's the message. That's the good news. And the majority of people don't believe that. In fact, I was reading a news article popped up last week. I saw that just in the last couple of days, 1.5 million Muslims have made their way to Mecca. And they are, they are I, had to look, I had to look this word up. In the article it said, many pilgrims, I had to ask my wife, I'm going to give it a shot. Circumbobulate. <laughs> They're moving in a circle around this great structure, the Kaaba. It's a Kaaba building at the Grad Mosque during the annual Hajj. It's a pilgrimage to Mecca and Saudi Arabia. That's happening right now. Millions of people are descending so they can be a part of that. Islam is the number one growing faith. Christianity is at a plateau. We're kind of losing ground. People are coming to faith in Islam at a rate that is exponential. And in the, in, in the, at the core of that faith is that in that structure is the presence of God. You know, that structure is metaphorical house of God. And so that's where God would dwell. In fact, and then you see with the prophet Muhammad, he is actually buried in a sacred chamber right now. You can actually go see where Muhammad is buried. He's buried along with two of his most faithful companions, the first two um, leaders of Islam. And there's a physical place where you can go see the founding you know, leader of Islam. Where is Jesus? He is not here. He has risen, just as he said, come see the place where he would lay. When you compare the Christian faith, when you compare what you find in Scripture to any other world religion, it's only in Scripture, in the Bible, do you find an understanding about who God is and how to have a relationship with him. God is seated in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand of his throne. The Holy Spirit is present there and throughout the entire creation. Christianity is unique. Nothing compares to it. And the reality of who Christ is has been demonstrated by the fact that he overcame death on the cross. He has risen and he is going to return. In Hebrews 9.28, Jesus having been offered once to bear the sins of many. So Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, for those that have placed their faith in him. He has died for the sins of many. He's going to appear a second time. And it's not to give us all a second chance. He's going to return a second time to deal with sin and to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And we are waiting today, just like the early disciples of old, for the return of Jesus. 
And in many sense, we, like the disciples, could find ourselves looking up to heaven, going, come now, Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, it would be better for me to be in heaven, but you have a plan and a purpose for me here. We talked about spiritual warfare. Janet shared a little bit about some of the things that are happening in this world right now. There's There's something about this world, there's something about this life that just says, man, if this is it, this is really stinky. You know, Jesus is going to come a second time to deal with sin and to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And so what are we doing while we're waiting? Jesus says in Acts 1-8 that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to be witnesses, and we're going to be witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And I want to look at these things in reverse order. This is the first scope of our purpose. What are we supposed to be doing while we're waiting for the return of Christ? We have families, we have kids, we have jobs. Life happens. We're going through life right now. But God has created us in such a way that we are not just waiting for the end. We are waiting with a purpose. And one of those purposes is to understand the scope of this mission that God has given us. We're waiting with a purpose to to reach with the good news about Christ, the very ends of the earth. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. We're going to be our witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. That's the scope of where we're trying to reach the good news of Christ with, to the very ends of the earth. When we started this series, I told you what the world population was. It was 8 billion, 26 million we're finishing up the series a few weeks early, or, you know, a few weeks uh, later. The world population this morning was 8 billion, 40 million. The world population, just since we started this series, has gone up over 14 million people. That's 113% of the population of the state of Illinois. And those people are being born into homes, the most part, that don't have a relationship with Christ, that will never hear the good news about Christ and don't believe what we believe. And so David Nelms was here uh, last week. He shared with us a little bit about the mission of TTI. He talked about the importance of going to the unreached people groups. We're in India. We're in Nepal. We've got missionaries in China. Because of your faithfulness, because of the work that God is doing in and through our ministry, because of your sacrificial giving, we we have an opportunity to be a part of sharing the good news about Christ to the very ends of the earth. There's no place in the world that is outside of our purview right now. And Dr. Nelm shared with us the idea that we're mapping out all parts of the world that have never had an opportunity to hear about Christ. And so that's a part of our mission, to reach the world for Christ. We're part of Converge Worldwide. We are a missions agency. We're raising up and deploying missions around the globe to reach the world with the good news about Christ. We have our missionary, Jamie Stromberg, who's down in Mexico. She's a part of our budget this year, and we're supporting the work that Jamie's doing down in Mexico. And so through our network of churches and through our network of partnerships, we are impacting the world with the good news about Christ. And so when Jesus talks about going to the ends of the earth, this is what it looks like for us at Springbrook. We have opportunities to send missions, send missions teams. We have an opportunity to go down into the Caribbean. So we're looking at some opportunities there. We had an opportunity when I first started at Springbrook to go to Belize, where we took a team, had an opportunity to minister and work alongside the local ministries there. So, so the end of the world mission to us is important. 
It's an important part of our budget, an important part of how we allocate our time and where we spend our resources. And so reaching the very ends of the earth is important to us at Springbrook. Last week, Dr. Nelms shared a little bit about what was happening in the United States. You know, this is our Judea and our Samaria. So we got the rest of the world. We're going all the way to the end of the earth. But when you look at the United States, you look at our national ministries. This is our Judea and our Samaria. And we have a presence here through 10 different converged districts. We're part of an affiliation of churches that are taking seriously the great commission and the great commandment to reach their communities for Christ and to, to build passionate followers. And we get to be a part of what God's doing nationally. And so we have many non-believers in Illinois. In fact, Illinois was one of the, uh, I think one of the, one of the highest with regard to the number of people that don't have a relationship with Christ. You know, we are in a missions field. You don't have to go to India or Nepal or Africa to reach somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Statistically, you know, we're, not, we're not the highest, but we're one of the highest states with regard to people that don't have a relationship with Christ. And we have regional missions that we support. There's things that we're doing to reach our nation through our partnerships with Converge Mid America, through our partnerships with our district. We partner with other agencies that are focused on reaching our nation. And then we're focused on working with our local Jerusalem. If you draw a 10-mile radius around this church. It doesn't go down to Big Willow and Barrington. doesn't go to any relatively large mega churches. just 10 miles around Springbrook. There are almost 315,000 people in our little circle, just in our little circle. Now, if you think about how many people we have at Springbrook, how many people we have at Harvest or Willow or Light of Christ or Emmanuel Lutheran, if you look at all the people in church today. If you think about all the people that are excited and looking up and anticipating and waiting for heaven, that number is really small. There's not very many people that are excited that have an understanding about their need for a relationship with Christ, and and that's reflected what you see in our entire state. This is a missions field, and so not only do we have a mission to the very ends of the earth, not only do we have a mission to our Judea and our Samaria, our, our, our nation, but in our community, in our Jerusalem, is a missions field. And so you can go to our website or our app, you can see a little bit about how we look at our budget, our budget at Springbrook ties to our reaching our community for Christ, or growing people up in their faith and, to, and to equipping them and to sending them to live missional lives. And so that's why we exist. We exist to reach our community for Christ and we exist to raise up passionate followers. And we have partnerships with many agencies in our community that enable us to do that in addition to the work that God is doing in and through our ministry here. Our scope of our purpose is worldwide. Our purpose, our mission is to be witnesses. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will what? You will be my witnesses. And this is not something that's just good for the church. I mean, I'm helping people to understand, Lord willing, their need for a relationship with Christ. And we're teaching about our purpose. And so people should be able to come into Springbrook and, and hear about their need for a relationship with Christ. But this is not a call for the church. This is a call for each one of us individually to be living out our faith in the context of the relationships with the people that God's put around us. Every one of us has relationships with people around us. And so you're going to walk out of here. You've got your neighbors. You've got, you have your people that you're friends with in school or your college 
or your workplace. Think about your phone directory on your phone. Think about the relationships with all the people that you have around you. To be a witness is to think about the relationships that you have with those people. And then in the context of that relationship, make some discovery and discussion. You know, think about all those people. If you have a relationship with Christ this morning, you can share, man, I was, a, I was at church this morning. Just saying to your friends, hey, I was at church this morning, and this is what we learned. You're engaging in conversation. That's the discussion with the people around you. What do you believe? You know, we started this series by encouraging people to ask people, how many of your friends and family believe that Jesus was physically raised from the grave? And the results came back, unsurprisingly, that over 50% of the people that you know don't believe that Jesus was physically raised from the grave. And so just having conversation about that in the context of your relationships is what it means to be a witness. And so in the context of your relationships, just having some simple conversation and making some discovery about spiritual beliefs is how you're a witness. And then ultimately, you move through and you start thinking about, well, what does the Bible say and how does this apply to my life? And so if you move those spiritual conversations into not what Pastor Richard said or not what this church believes, but about what you discover in here, you're applying biblical truth to your life. You're applying that and, and life change happens with that. The Holy Spirit works and you're able to encourage one another and pray for one another and affirm one another in the faith and then hold one another accountable. Hey, I'd love to invite you to come to church with me next week. And so being a witness is this process in the context of your relationships, entering into discovery and discussion. And then the three A's, the application, the affirmation, and the accountability. And for Springbrook, it looks like this. It's a triangle. You know, we encourage people in the context of their relationships to be intentional about discovery and discussion in those three A's. And so the question that you have to ask yourself this morning is you think about, are you a witness? Is who are you talking to? Think about all the things that you can talk about in the context of your relationships. When you're a sporting event, you can talk about sports, but you can also talk about church. At your workplace, you can talk about work, but you can also talk about what God's doing in your life. And so you're thinking about who are you talking to and you're intentionally moving those conversations you know, into a spiritual realm. And so then the other the purpose for our waiting is, is the method. You know, how's God going to accomplish all this? He's going to accomplish it through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I don't know if you know this. Ministry happens as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's not about a bunch of people working hard to accomplish what God has for us. It's, it's about the Holy Spirit working in us together to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Ministry is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives each one of us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit draws people into a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. The, the, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. The Holy Spirit gives us the words that we have to share with other people. The Holy Spirit is the work of ministry, and, and it's, that's where we receive our power to be his witnesses. And so the method for our waiting is in reliance and complete dependence on the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We are waiting for the return of Christ with a purpose that has a scope to the ends of the earth, a mission that each one of us is involved in to share our faith with others around us, and complete dependence on the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, what purpose does God want to accomplish in and through us individually and together? If you want purpose, if you're looking for purpose in life and you want to be a part of what God is doing in and through Springbrook, you need the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.8, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. 
And so that's how you can be a part of what God's doing. That's what gives your life purpose. Because without that, this world's going to come to an end and there's nothing else. If you want to live your life with purpose, it needs to be in complete dependence on the work of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come on you. So each one of you have a little match. Don't do anything weird with those. (laughs) So you got a little match on your seat. When the Holy Spirit descended on those first disciples, it descended on them as if there was like a little fire over their head. So you don't do it right now. So don't catch your hair on fire. (laughs) Don't start any fires. But I want you to take that match with you this morning. If you have a relationship with Christ and you have the Holy Spirit in you, I want you to take that match with you this morning and let that be a reminder to you that the Holy Spirit is in you and he has a plan and a purpose for you and his scope is worldwide. And so if you have a relationship with Christ this morning, you can celebrate the work that God is doing in and through us together. In 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul's writing in 1 Thessalonians, beginning in chapter 1, I'm going to read the first couple of verses for you. Paul says this, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and our Father the work of faith and the labor of love and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because of our gospel, it came to you not only by word, but in power in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men uh, we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word with much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you can become an example to all the believers in Macedonia, Acadia, and to the ends of the earth. And so if you have a relationship with Christ this morning, you're dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you. The gospel comes to people through the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction of faith. And so may may we be men and women of faith that are living a life out that is good and pleasing to the Lord, drawing others to himself. And if you have questions about what our relationship with Christ is this morning, we would love the opportunity to talk with you. And so you've got that connection card in your seat. You're watching with us online. You can just make the note. If you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, you are in the right place. (laughs) We want to answer those questions. We want to help you to begin to discover the fullness of joy that is ours in Christ. And if you have a relationship with Christ and you're trying to figure out how God might work in and through you to accomplish his plans, we'd love to talk with you as well. So you can fill that connection card out. You can drop it in the basket on the way out or you can just uh, simply uh, text next step to this phone number, scan that QR code. Let us be women and men of faith that are living out our lives intentionally uh, to accomplish of the plans that God has for us. I'm so glad that you've been with us uh, as we've completed this uh, series today. We're looking at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and what it means for us today. Uh, next week, we're going to be kicking off a new series through Second Peter, and we're going to be looking at how we share this good news with Christ, with others, with grace. And so we hope you'll continue with us. Would you pray with me? Father, we just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. Uh, God, thank you for your hand of blessing <laughs> over this ministry. I think about uh, the things that you have seen us through, whether it's staff transitions, pastoral transitions, uh, whether it's things, uh, COVID, you know, staff changes. God, your hand of blessing has been over Springbrook, and we are grateful, and we want to give you glory for that today. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to draw each of us uh, closer to yourself. God, we pray that you protect our ministry as we seek to move into our community to share the good news about Christ with others. God, go before us as we seek to be a part of your plan for Judea and Samaria as we think about what's going on in our nation and our world. God, thank you 
for the hope that we have in Christ. We commit this day to you and for you and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise together one more time as we respond to the word in worship. Lord, I find you in the seeking. Lord, I find you in the doubt. And to know you is to love you. And to know so little else I need you.
thank you so much for joining us here to worship today. I pray now over each one of you that you will go in faith to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed, blessed week in him.